Here we go. We are not allowed to be together. (laughs) And so it begins. I counted last episode. It was seven minutes of straight laughter with not a lot of content. (laughs) We're good at what we do, you know? And if you're in on the joke, then guess what? You're smart. Because we're professionals. Okay. We're... And yes. lucky. And very lucky. Welcome mm-hmm. back to Not Your Mom's Let's, Therapy. I know people can't see me, but I'm wearing a black t-shirt today that says therapy is cool. But the cut of the shirt and mm-hmm. the color of the shirt, if I frame it so you can't see, I just look like I should be working in a spa somewhere. You know? Like I'm your esthetician. Well, I was thinking sexy massage, but <laughs> we can go... <laughs> <laughs> Sexy massage. They just play your audiobook. <laughs> Wait. Wait. We're back there. We're... Okay. All right. Can you just just for our listeners, can you open with maybe a paragraph of your book? Um just, just gently read us. Do you want to actually do it? Yeah, All I right. do. Hold I on, do. I can get there real quick. So can I. <laughs> Mindfulness, chapter one. What is mindfulness? Mindfulness gives you time. Time gives you choices. Skillfully made lead to freedom. Mm -hmm. More? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not anyone's first choice. People talk to parents, siblings, friends, clergy, or even their bosses before they dial my number. And antiquated stigma shadows couples therapy. Many of us feel shame, admitting we need support. I need to talk to some clergy right now is what I mean. <laughs> you need a wash is what you need. Just a good cold scrub down. Yeah. Well, not cold. Well, then it needs to get like hot to kill all the germs. You bet the county. I just had an image of Brad Pitt and Fight Club. She needs a wash. Ugh, all I could think of is Pulp Fiction. These boys been the county. <laughs> yeah, 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 turn around. Turn Stop around, grab to your audiobook. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to Not Your Mama's Therapy. I'm Sarah Card, and I'm here with Lair Torrent, licensed marriage and family therapist. Not for long. Not for long. <laughs> <laughs> the board hears this podcast. I'm out. This is the slow downfall of your licensure. I'm really excited today because we are finishing up the practices. Mm. The final practice today is personal responsibility. Everybody's favorite. Yeah. And it's it's the one that goes with everything. And it's mm-hmm. the common denominator, mm-hmm. as you often say. So um, I'm pretty sure people can figure it out, but do you want to kind of give us a little bit of an overview of personal responsibility and why you included it as a practice and all of that? Sure. So I like to say this practice, the fifth practice, there's a, a number of pieces to it that are important to mention. As you said, it's the it's the common denominator practice. So if I were to, to put the other four practices on a chalkboard, of mindfulness, parts of self, narrative, and choosing, I would draw a big old line underneath it. And at the bottom, I would put personal responsibility in that common denominator position because the way the whole process of creating this way of working shook out was that I realized that mindfulness was not the common denominator practice. It wasn't the core practice. Mm -hmm. It was personal responsibility. 
I wanted it to be mindfulness, but it ended up not being. Personal responsibility is this element of almost stoicism, mm. a little dab of stoicism in there, which I think is really just Buddhism with a mohawk and a few tattoos. And so what personal responsibility says is at first blush, I'm going to, in this practice, be responsible for how mindful I am, the part of me that shows up. I'm going to take responsibility for the story that I tell and making sure that it's a compassionate and empathetic one. I'm also going to be responsible for choosing my partner in a way that they understand and recognize that it is connected to their deepest wounding. And so I'm going to own some of all of that. And this really does create the, the, the essence of the practice of, of, of showing up in the best version of oneself. Now, the other end of the practice of personal responsibility is it means I'm going to own all the shit that I do and say. Now, this is the way, this is where people don't, they're like, okay, er, hold on, wait a minute. Oh, you had me right up until that point. Now you are asking me to be probably too permissive. You're going to ask me to admit to shit that I don't want to, and I'm, I'm not going to like it. Now, in our culture, personal responsibility is not our favorite. And this is one of the reasons why I do not include it on the front of the website. No one would come because responsibility is often seen as blame. Blame is shame. We're really happy to take responsibility for all the good things that happen in life, good party plan, good business meeting that went well. But the moment someone's feelings get hurt, we back into plausible deniabilities, defended parts of self, where we start saying, well, what about you? I wouldn't have done that. I didn't say that's not what I said. That's not how I said it. Well, isn't that just your shit to work out? Mm. Tend to be the the arguments of the, mm. the, the, the person who does not want to take any responsibility. And so it's really twofold. It's, it's owning the first four practices, mm. And it's also recognition of the fact that I'm going to have to own some shit today because we all make mistakes. We are all dicks from time to time. And uh, I know you are. And honestly, more than time to time. Corey writes me all the time about it. She's doing it again. She's doing it again. <laughs> He's furiously I texting. Know. Yeah, <laughs> you know how she can be. <laughs> I actually really want that to be true. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know how she can be? I so want that to be true. I'm curious. It's interesting when you said, I don't include it on the front page of the website. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm like, wow, yeah, no, yeah. you probably would lose people if you said you had to be responsible. So how do you sort of broach it in session? When does it sort of come up that, hey, so there's this final key piece. <laughs> so there's this part that I didn't tell you about. <laughs> you guys are going to have to. So it, it actually starts early. And one of the things I tell people, and I, and I made it evident early in the book when these two guys were in my office and they're arguing and they looked at me finally and they were pointing fingers and, you know, blaming each other. And they were doing the same thing that they quite obviously had done at home a bunch and with other therapists. And they were finally coming to me because they'd heard from a friend that I was their guy and all of that. And they're looking, and I'm just looking and my head's going back and forth like a Wimbledon match, you know, like, what about you? No, what about you? But I wouldn't do that. But if you said mm -hmm. back and forth, it's the same shit that couples do all the fucking time. And they both look at me finally and they're like, what do you think? We want to, we, we're paying you. We want to know what you think. And I said, well, I think, I, I think you could do this shit at home on the couch for free. That's what I think. And so I set that tone early that I'm going to put a shoulder into you from time to time. Now, the thing people need to understand about couples therapy is it's different from individual therapy. Individual therapy is often meandering. We are fellow 
travelers, you know, sometimes guided. And we sort of stop along the path and look at things and try to understand. But it's sort of self-guided often, not always, but often. Whereas in couples therapy, mm -mm, I'm in there with my shirt sleeves rolled up. And, and I will say, like, you really think you could float that turd past my nose? That's not happening. You know better than that. And I'll say to them in the beginning of the process, look, I'm going to say some shit you're not going to like. That's my job. I'm going to make this as balanced as I possibly can. Sometimes you're going to feel like the identified problem in the room. Sorry, that's just what it is. This is where we're growing. We're going to meet our bloody edges here, right? We're going to hopefully find that ring of fire that I talk about. There is this ring of fire, this place where we get down out of the noise. And so long-winded answer to your question is, I try to make it evident early that you're going to need to own some stuff. Mm. And so I'll start with like, well, so how has this been going? Mm -hmm. And I'll say, I wonder what it would be like if we could own some shit, if we could take the finger that you're currently pointing, like literally pointing at your partner sometimes and point it back at yourself because there's no traction in what you're currently doing. There's no traction in right. what about you? There's just none. And I think you already know that. And by and large, people will go, that probably, that scans. That's probably mm -hmm. true. And so tell me more is kind of, I said, okay, so what if we took responsibility for all the shit we do and say, and this is where they get like psycho ed has to come in the psycho education where I say, look, there's no traction. in what about you? If he would only, or if she would just needs to stop to really move the needle, we need to own some things. And so this is a maturation. This is a growing up. And then, then the arguments come and they'll say, mm -hmm. Well, now you're going to ask me to be permit too permissive. You're going to ask me to own things that I don't necessarily agree with. And I'll say, no, that's not going to happen. But you're talking about giving up ground and you're talking about winning the argument. What if there was a version of this where mm -hmm. if you win the argument, your partner loses, which means the relationship loses mm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. This needs to become a zero sum game where we stop fighting with each other and start fighting for each other. Mm -hmm. And they're on, then, then their eyebrows kind of go up and go, okay, well, well, that sounds better. And I said, so I'm not asking you to give up ground here. I'm asking you to take the higher ground. Personal responsibility is the higher ground. It is the, the, the place of emotional intelligence. That was a huge lesson for us was too in, our, in my relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it started when you, when you talked about, about this uh, last week, the, the love mm -hmm. embargo. We both had to be accountable and responsible for the fact that that was mm -hmm. how we viewed things. And then you had sort of shared that lesson of, you know, if, if you win... Corey loses. And if Corey wins, you lose. And neither one of those outcomes is actually very good. Yeah. No. <laughs> and it took, yeah, it took somebody articulating that for me to realize, wow, that is mm -hmm. how we fight. Well, it's, it's, it's in our DNA. You know, we're fighting to win. As Americans, you know, like it's cultural. Right. And, that's true. And this mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why I actually mm -hmm. really enjoyed the marriage and family degree program and the, and the academics behind it, because they really dig into culture and all of its forms. So you look mm -hmm. at the American culture, this is an important aspect to understand how it plays in the way couples fight. We win things. That's mm -hmm. what we do. There is no second place. There is the winner and everybody else is a bunch of losers. This is sort of, we're steeped in this deep mm -hmm. in our bones. We carry this with us. And our romantic relationships mm -hmm. are not missed in that, in that cultural aspect. So we bring that with us to mm -hmm. our, to our arguments, to our fights. And so people are constantly arguing to surmount or for the victim position. 
you hurt me way more than I hurt you. No, you were way shittier to me. No, I was shitty, but you were so shitty. I wouldn't have been that shitty if you weren't so shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm smiling and saying yes, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know for sure. Well, I know. I mean, in theory, you've seen Corey do it. (laughs) Maybe some people fight like that. Right. I mean, he does. I didn't want to say it, but now that you have. Well, Ashley, she's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) You see, you laugh that way because you know she's an angel. I do. And because I can see her listening to this in the car and just hitting the brakes and turning back around and coming to your office. Like, just, oh, no, he didn't. Over the line. Over the line. Immediately, no. Immediately, no. (laughs) It's so true, though. Like, we, we always came to the fights to win. And I never really thought about the cultural implications of why we do that as Americans. And, but it is very true. Well, I got to thinking about, like, why do we do that? Like, I was thinking when I was writing the book and, I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, it's it's simple. And I came across that idea that this needs to be a zero-sum game. And like, how how is it that people can't understand that? And I was like, oh, shit. Well, we win stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. we do. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Such a good point. And I, I realized, too, so now court, the way that we kind of argue, I mean, we don't really fight anymore. We more get in like arguments. Mm-hmm. But the, the way that we do it more is about validation. And so mm-hmm. I'll say... Listen, this I don't care who wins or loses. I just need you to acknowledge what I'm saying to mm-hmm. you and things like that. That's kind of how we fight now. And it's like, I just need you to validate me, Sarah. You know, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. And it, it changed the way we fought. But going back to the personal responsibility aspect of it, what was interesting for me is that I realized some of the reason why he wasn't taking personal responsibility necessarily, Mm -hmm. or I felt like he wasn't taking personal responsibility was because of the part that was present. And so it was like the little boy and the little boy had been so traumatized Mm -hmm. and made to take responsibility for things that weren't his fault growing up. That's a tough one. Right. That's a tough one. And so mm-hmm. that became a really challenging thing to navigate. But if I hadn't had all of the mm-hmm. lessons in the parts to get to that point and the practices and things like that, that I don't think I would have been able to acknowledge, oh, this is why he has a hard time. This with is an this. amazing point you bring up because this shows how these these practices really aren't linear per se they're kind of a circle they fall in on each other one begets the other and so if you're mm-hmm. and you're in a situation and you know cognitively like i should be taking personal responsibility i read that in the book but somehow i can't my question is well, what part of you is here because if you are in that defended aspect mm-hmm. of self if Corey is in that defended aspect of self and he's defending that little kid against the very thing at least it looks and feels and mm-hmm. smells that way I've been asked to take responsibility and eat mm-hmm. shit for all these years. And that protector part goes, we ain't doing it again. Right. right. Yeah. And so when yeah. you negotiate with that aspect and you get into the parts piece and you say, okay, this part of me is telling a story about my wife that is not particularly fair. And, and I might not be taking responsibility for the same stuff. Oh, wait, this is a safer place. Right. When you pull out of that, yeah. that compartment mm-hmm. of that defended aspect of self, you stop seeing Sarah as a reason to defend yourself, you recognize her as not foe, but friend. And holy shit, she might actually be fighting for us. Right, right, right. Exactly. Do you see that a lot when you're with your clients? Do you see that that is the root of a lot of 
things? It's the part that's there that's preventing them from taking personal responsibility? Or is it usually like a blend of different reasons? Well, for me, it does kind of, it kind of all comes back to mindfulness or mindlessness, right? If we're not mindful and aware of the part of ourselves Mm -hmm. that's showing up and that, that narrative to dovetail on practice three, those Mm -hmm. thoughts are becoming feelings. Those feelings are becoming thoughts and it's, it's bolstering and fortifying our position in that part of us. And that this is a fight that I need to win. Mm-hmm. And from that place, I can't choose you. I can't be loving. I can only choose myself. And so you see how it all kind of, you can pick one of those five in a, in a situation and go, well, if I were taking responsibility, this is what I would be doing. Well, I don't feel like I can do that. Well, there must be a part, I must be mindless to the part of me that's here that's telling a story. That, and so it all sort of is this parachute. Pick one. Pick one, you pull it, you pull on that, you're going to be getting the others if you're aware that these are viable practices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, obviously you've you've sort of talked about it a little bit, but, you know, for people who can't sit in the room with you and are struggling and, you know, you're thinking about your parts of self and you're still struggling to get there. What do you, how do you guide them to just being open about taking responsibility and also being open to to the possibility that, they need to take responsibility. Well, I'd look no further than how it's been going. All right. Have you been down that mm-hmm. road before? Does this look and feel mm-hmm. and smell remarkably like a place you've been that didn't go very well, that ended in sort of icy glances across a dinner table, backs to each other in bed, maybe someone sleeping in the other room? Mm-hmm. Well, let's try something fucking different. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, let's, let's throw caution to the wind and see what mindfulness mm-hmm. And being aware of what we're thinking and feeling would do. Let's look at the look at how we're showing up. Are you angry? What else are you? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's something underneath that. I'm scared. There's this part of me, this this younger version of myself that that doesn't feel loved, that doesn't feel safe, doesn't feel like they're enough, doesn't feel like they matter to this person. That's probably interesting. Why don't we talk about that? That'll change the conversation. What if we own the narrative we're telling? Mm-hmm. You know, right now I see you as a person who's just out to get me. Sweetheart, that is not what's happening here. You know, now we're having another, a different conversation. So what this, this process does, if you decide to hook into it, is it gives us the possibility of new and more dynamic conversation rather than you did this. No, I didn't fuck you or however it ends up shaking out. It's some version of that. Or we just decide not to talk Mm -hmm. about it because we don't have the skills or abilities to go to that place. So we're just going to bury it. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably. I think one of the harder things, and maybe this is the way it is for most couples, but for us, it was definitely one of the harder things to kind of push through and and acknowledge the mistakes that we both were making. But the other part of personal responsibility for us was and is being the person who helps Mm de-escalate when it's hard Mm -hmm. and Corey is very good at that. I will give him credit. Yeah, he's told he's me. better than me. Yeah. I, 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 I now know that. <laughs> he texts me all the, I'm doing it again. And I write back. I'm like, you can't always be the one. You can't. Corey. Right, you're so good. Your, your shoulders are broad, but honey, you can't it's, carry that weight. You're yourself. the good one. That's what I tell him. That's what I tell him. I, saw, I send him a little voice memos. I could just see him. But he plays back. Okay, I am the good one. Okay. I knew it. It's so true though. Like I (laughs) when I'm wound up, I have a really hard time unraveling. Mm -hmm. And 
that's my mm-hmm. fault and I need to get better and I work on it. But Corey is very good at recognizing like, mm-hmm. okay, Sarah's up here and we ain't coming down from up here unless I help guide us mm-hmm. down the staircase. I was being a little facetious around like, you know, he gets to be the good one, but there's a little flavor of that. Once you get a taste of the fact mm-hmm. that like there is another way where you can be at the end of the day, in, in, in kind of a healthy way, you get to be the good one when your partner is obviously not within their faculties and you're the calm little center of the universe and you say things that are like, hey, I know, mm-hmm. I know this is hard, but there's some stuff that we both have to own, you more than me, but, you know, and, and you're the one who's, on, as, I, as I say in the book, I call it being on belay, right? You're the one holding, it's a climbing term, the one holding the safety rope. And, um, that's what personal responsibility is. It's like, I'm going to keep this thing tethered to the ground. I'm not going to let it go to those places. And sometimes you have to just be the container. If your partner is kind of losing it and and frustrated and angry and piping off and you can say, okay, I'm going to let you get it out, but you know, we have to have this conversation and we can't do it this way. And I do this to Ashley from time to time and she's, I can see it. Like you can see David, David Banner trying to come back in from the Hulk. Right. And (laughs) And she's hating it while she's loving it all at the same time, which is just, there's something like, mm, mm, so good that I get to be the good one sometimes. And she's, cause she does, she has, if anyone who knows her is like, she has angel wings and things. She does. Yeah, those. yeah. 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 And so, so when she does, cause she's, she's a firecracker, yes. man. They used to call her a little TNT for, for reasons. And so, you know, sometimes I, I take that mindful breath and I recognize what part of me's here and that, you know, Mitch is there and he's whispering in my ear. He's like, no, you get to say some fucked up shit. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it, buddy. No, you lose, pal. This is <laughs> not, not a zero sum game between me and you. You're out. And I turn to her and I'm like, okay. So, and then, and then she, you can see her kind of go, she likes it. And it's one of those times when she's like outlined in the book where she says, you're doing that thing that you do. And I said, yeah, but you're probably glad I'm doing it. And that that instance in the book and many instances in our lives, the the row or the fight, which we don't really fight necessarily, we argue from time to time, ends up being something that's quite galvanizing rather than polarizing. And this is also part of the cell for people around personal responsibility that personal responsibility makes the space between us a safer one. When you, when you talk about Corey and how he's willing and able to do that very often and is, is adept at it, I'm going to imagine if you feel into it, the space between you feels, he feels like a safer person in the world because you know, he's got you. 100%. He's, yeah. It, it's like a safety net. It mm-hmm. lets you like feel it. It lets you be who you are in the moment when you can't help being that person. And you know mm-hmm. that this person is going to help you come back to, to one, to square. Yeah. Not fix it for you. Just be the container of this experience and to, to yeah. hold space for that and to own your mm-hmm. stuff, own what you did, what you said, and be the, be the adult. And it does. It makes the space between partners a safer one. And so mm-hmm. these, these situations, these, and anyone listening may be thinking about, yeah, well, we can't have this conversation. We can't have that conversation. You know, the conversation about the kids, the sex, the money is off limits because that's too tough. When everyone's owning their shit in this way, when they're owning their parts and their narrative and, and they're also owning what comes out of their mouths and the things that they do, it doesn't make for like a squeaky clean experience or some sort of Pollyanna bullshit. That's not, no, the real truth actually gets to come out. And 
the space right. between us becomes a safer one. And these formerly polarizing scenarios become very galvanizing because I see that this person's got me. And that's the big sell for personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And things get better. It did for us because I was that person. I was the person who thought I can't have these conversations. I need to. In my heart of hearts, I know this isn't right for me, but I can't say it. And so once we started to do this work with the practices and started to take accountability and responsibility, we actually could start having these conversations mm -hmm, I had been mm -hmm. sitting on for years. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. wow, things are getting mm -hmm. really better. And I feel really close to Corey mm -hmm. and I can talk about him happily on a podcast, you know, and, and feel good about it and not feel, because for the longest time I lived my relationship feeling, it's like you, you shouldn't get the person you love their name tattooed mm -hmm. on you. It's like a thing. I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to be the person who's embarrassed when this all goes <laughs> right. to shit, you know, and mm -hmm. <laughs> it was such like a much different place than I'm in now, but with the practices and with personal responsibility, it, it has mm -hmm. created that safe space and has made it so that, you know, I just want the world to know that he's mine. Like, sorry, ladies, men, not Did he get Sarah sense. tattooed on him somewhere? <laughs> he did. It was weird. It was weird. I don't. Know. It was weird because it was Sarah without an H, and so that left a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a bunch I don't of bullshit. Know who she is? Like, <laughs> imagine if he did that. He, he said he couldn't afford the H. It's like, Sarah. <laughs> There's no H, honey. It might as well have said Bob. It's not me. Yeah. Wait, do you have Ashley tattooed on you? Did I just inadvertently insult No, you? I don't. But that's a, that's that's a segue into something I wanted to talk about. It, <laughs> Ashley, right? Ashley Torrent. It's a porn name. It's a porn name. Yeah. Think about that. Ashley Torrent. Oof. Yeah, you're I mean, right. She even she knows it. Yeah, she's like, yeah, it's pretty porny. Listen, if she ever wanted to shift careers. Only fans, man. <laughs> Knowing her and what you just said made it even funnier. <laughs> Do you have a porn name? Do you, have you done that game? It's the it's your it's your it's your dog like first dog or first pet and That's then the like one. the street name you grew up Is on. It? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, are you ready? Tuffy Kettleview. <laughs> oh, I love it. I got you beat though. Chester Tarrington. <laughs> Right? Oh my god. What is what is Ashley's actual porn name? Oh, she has a good one. I can't remember. Since she it's, lives in yeah, a Yeah, I'll have to yeah, ask her. Report I should back. have known that bringing this we're, up because it's pretty good. <laughs> Lindsay, edit that in. Yeah, yeah. We have to take personal responsibility for this episode. <laughs> right. Back to personal responsibility. So the other additive piece that, that I like to talk about as far as responsibility is concerned because when I have couples that come in and they are particularly argumentative and there's children involved. And it happens, you know, where they're, they're, they are, you know, they're both fiery and they say and do stuff. And where the chief complaints I have is, you know, and we do this in front of the kids. And, you know, obviously that is not okay. And it's not good. You don't want your kids seeing that. You don't want them growing up around that. And, but still people have a hard time. But personal responsibility allows us a space mm. where I'm not relying on the other person to do better. I have to take sole responsibility for doing better. And if I can get both people doing that, 
then we're not having these arguments in front of the kids. And, or even if you're not like outwardly mm. arguing, it's not like cold and or snippy or we're, we're owning our stuff. Now it's funny because I, I bring this up because we've gotten into it a couple of times, you know, like a little bit of a row in front of the kids and we'll turn to the guys and be like, you guys heard that you're okay. And they're like, yeah, what are you talking about? You guys always end up laughing anytime you fight, mm -hmm. which is like, I was like, holy shit, that's kind of true. You know, and what a legacy to leave with them that like, you know, you can, you can have a back and forth. You can have a disagreement. It can even get a little emotional, yeah. but at the end of the day, you know, my parents always hugged yeah, afterwards. No it wasn't, again, not Pollyanna. <laughs> they were both owning their shit. And I love that. I love that, that too. Little yeah. That's so special. Mm -hmm. You're going to save so much money on therapy. We'll see. Congratulations. The other, the other piece that I, you, you brought up earlier when you talked about Corey just saying, I need you to validate me. I just need you to validate. And so that's a really, what he's asking for, again, being the good one, he is asking for something that's really important. And, and, um, and it's, it is singularly the biggest mistake most couples right. make is an inability to validate something that like, well, I categorically do not agree with that. Like, and so we rely on the facts. I didn't, I know I didn't say mm. it, or I know that I didn't say it like that. And so we stand there. And we go, I'm not, I'm not copying to that because that's not, it was not my, what it really boils down to. That wasn't my intention. I didn't mean to, I wasn't, that was, it was not mean spirited at all. Parts be what they are, scenarios, how I heard it, mood that I was in, feelings were hurt. Something was missed. Now, whether you meant to hurt feelings, whether you, your words were terse or not, that's actually secondary. And this is where people give me a lot of pushback and they say, well, I, you know, I know, I know I didn't say it like that, or I know I didn't say that. And I'll say that the fact of the matter is, is their feelings are hurt. You should care more about that than you do being right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And then that's when people go, well, now, wait a minute. And I'll say, look, I'm not saying that you need to agree with their assessment of what it is you said or did. I'm just saying you need to agree with the fact that they're having the feeling that they're having. Oh, wait a minute. No, no. Empathy does not require agreement. Mm -hmm. To see that you're suffering and to care about that doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with how, why you think you're standing there. We can talk about that in a minute. The first thing we need to deal with is when your partner says, you said that thing to me last night at dinner and it really embarrassed me. The first reaction, the moment, what are you talking about? Well, you know, when you said that thing, it really like, it really hurt my feelings. It was in front of everybody. It was in front of all of our friends. Mm. That's not what I said. Mm. No, it is what you said. Well, it's not how I said it. I'm getting and angry just instead of. That. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is what you said. <laughs> right. And I even looked at Sheila and Sheila rolled her eyes, right? Because we need her approval. I don't know who Sheila is. Fucking Sheila. That fucking bitch. <laughs> and, and so what stops all that is the practice of personal responsibility. What am I responsible for in this moment? I'm responsible for validating my partner's experience, even if I don't agree with their assessment of my behavior or my intentions. We get caught up and I'm a good person. I've had people say that to me before. I would never do that. I'm a good person. The fuck is that? And, you know, what you're saying, it runs directly against who they see themselves to be. I would never be so shitty. You're saying that I'm being, I would be shitty and I'm not, I'm not I, would, I would never do that. I would never do that to you. And so they stand in this place of, I would never, do. you can't argue with someone like, but what you can do is say to this person, Hey, I am so sorry that whatever I said or whatever happened last night, I'm sorry, your feelings are hurt. And I want to talk about that. And so that's usually the fodder for really mm. great conversation. Well, no, when you said that thing, okay, well, tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. again, 
I never want to hurt your feelings first and foremost. And I certainly didn't mean for that to hurt your feelings. When it came out of my mouth, I kind of knew it was on the line. I had a drink. I thought maybe, and I, I just, mm-hmm. it wasn't the best choice. We can talk about my intentions later. I was trying to be funny or I thought you thought that was funny. We can, we can get into the ins and outs of it later. After we triage the moment, sure. the moment is my partner's feelings are hurt. I should give a shit. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, if I, if I, I'm sending the message that I don't care when I argue for the point that I wouldn't do that. I didn't say it that way. You heard it wrong. And what we're saying is essentially don't feel how you already feel. They already feel that way. Mm-hmm. Acceptance of the moment is acceptance. Like they mm-hmm. feel that way. I might not agree with how they got there. That's really not important. Right. But couples spin their wheels in that all the time. And right. it's part of the reason right. why I have a job. I'm curious because one of the, as you were talking, you were saying, you know, you, as you were giving that sort of example, you were saying, you know, I'm sorry, that was not my intention. Mm-hmm. Do you run into couples who don't want to say I'm sorry, who put it on yes. the I'm sorry thing? And because I'm really interested in talking about that. And because it's something we've dealt with in our relationship mm-hmm. and the the apology mm-hmm. thing. I have issues with people apologizing just because I have been apologized to numbers of times and people still do the same shitty yeah. shit. It starts to lose its value. You know, for Corey someone who was made to constantly apologize for things that weren't his fault. He doesn't like to say it because it's, it, it feels different because of his childhood traumas. So we've worked through it, but I'm just curious how you encounter, how much you encounter that and how you kind of work through that. Usually I encounter it through individuals and individual therapy who say my wife, partner, husband, whatever, they don't like to apologize. They just don't. They just will do, they'll say almost anything and I need to hear, I'm so sorry, or some validation of my experience to that. I might have them bring them in, but my question is why we know exactly what you just unpacked. Like there was some trauma around, I'm sorry. It was just words. And so I don't know how, what your, your workaround was on that, but you guys figured your way around it. Maybe it's using other languaging. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. For us, I'm sorry for Corey. I recognized it became, I lost the argument. And so, mm-hmm. and for me, it's, I'm sorry is actually kind of like a scary mm-hmm. place for me. Mm-hmm. Well, the people who have said sorry in my past have never actually truly been sorry. Mm-hmm. So let's say something else. And it's, and, and so for us, really what I'm sorry is, is I never wanted you to feel that way. Wow. You know, things mm-hmm. like that. And we kind of work around it. It's not that we never say I'm sorry, because obviously there are times when you absolutely should say it. But I know for a fact we're not the only couple in the world that has issues with I'm no, sorry. And, and, and so naming it and saying it out loud, as you guys did, it's, you know, the words I am sorry are kind of complicated for me. That's the beginning of healing around those words. To be able to recognize that you two as a couple are going to try to rechart some history with that and say that, okay, you know, I'm going to be the one person in the world in for, for you that, that when I say, I'm sorry, I actually mean it. And it means that there's probably going to be a behavioral change. It, that is exactly how we unpacked it. Mm-hmm. And I, I know there are plenty of couples out there who are, who use the, I'm sorry, as part of their love embargo, oh. like you talked about, it's mm-hmm. like, well, you don't know apologize. So why should I apologize? Mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and bringing that into the personal responsibility. Well, because maybe it's the right thing to do, 
you know, maybe it's the thing that's going to de-escalate everything. Right. So I'm apologizing because I probably should not because well, I mean it. Yeah, right. Right. Not obviously you wouldn't want that because you don't yeah. want a hollow apology, no. but just the acknowledgement that if they're asking for an apology, what does that mean? Not necessarily the words, but mm-hmm. what does that mean to mm-hmm. how they feel? The, the thing that seems to be a remedy often, because I feel like I'm sorry can often feel hollow as well. But when someone's able to say, you know, I'm sorry for this specific thing. Like I said, these words, the example I gave in the book is I came in the door, the back door from, and I sort of skipped out on this thing with the kids because I heard them screaming and I knew she had it. And I was like, I was kind of being a jerk. And when I came through the door, you know, she said, so you didn't hear any of that. And I said, last time I checked, you had a voice. Terrible, terrible, terrible form. And immediately when I said it, I knew that a part of me was saying that, a very defended part of me was saying that. And this, you know, that we can all be dicks. I was being a total dick at that. And I immediately recognized it. And I said, wait, wait, wait. I am so sorry. I am sorry that those words came out of my mouth. You deserve better than that. And what's more, I did hear that from the backyard. Absolutely. There's no question I heard about it. And I was being a shit and I was hoping you had it. It was plausible deniability and you deserve better than that in that situation too. And so I'm fucking sorry for all of that. I was just a bag of dicks in that moment. And, and that's when she looked at me and she said, you're doing that mm-hmm. thing. And I said, you're probably glad I'm doing it. And we ended up hugging, right? Like, not only did I say, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry for these words. I know they must have been hurtful. <laughs> and they came from a shitty place. When we complete the apology, yeah, you... you you know, you, you name all the things and this is why it's hard because the ego, it's like an ego death, but it becomes such freedom in the moment when you're like, you're seeing this shift and you're saying not just blanketly, well, I'm sorry, which is sort of saying, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, stop feeling the way you're feeling. Mm -hmm. When we sort of take a moment to kind of go through each of our shit moments in this thing and say, those words were awful and terrible. And I was a jerk for having said them. What's more is so I'm going to call myself out on for not coming in the door when I heard the kids screaming at each other. Yeah. I knew what was going on and I just hoped against hope that you had it. And I was being a shit then too. Yes. And at that moment I was going, there's an adult in the room. There's an adult in the room. You don't have to force feed me my adultness. Yes. I like to say that personal responsibility and maturity happens when it got lost goes to, I lost it. Mm-hmm. And I forget the author who originally wrote that quote. But you think about it like that, like it got lost or I lost it. There's a very different version of that person saying either of those two things. Mm -hmm. The second one is a person who's of maturity, of emotional maturity saying, yeah, man, I did that and I need to own it. It's it's funny because um, as you're telling that story, I can think of examples where that has been the case. And this is, this is like the latest thing that I've been working on in in terms of personal responsibility and parts of self and all of that. And it's... (laughs) It's the fact that Corey, that son of a bitch, has gotten really good at owning his shit. And so he will do that. What a bastard. He he will do that. And I literally say to him, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you for apologizing, but I am not ready to not be angry with you. (laughs) And he already knows. He's He's like, like, okay. He's like, gotcha, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. 
<laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, you're just taking your clothes off as you say it. I'm still mad. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get it now. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Whoops. I really, and I have some other things I'd like to apologize for too while we're at it. Pretty soon he's just going to be apologizing for shit he thought like 10 years ago. You like it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. God yeah. damn it. Clothes are coming up. I just got these back on. <laughs> Lindsay, can you add like a little belt buckle shake, shaking? That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again for joining me for another episode and teaching us about the practices my pleasure as always you guys can like review subscribe to our podcast on all the popular podcast channels you can follow us on nym therapy on twitter and instagram we're not your mama's therapy at gmail.com and you can pick up the practice of love at all bookstores around the country, online, et cetera, et cetera. It's everywhere. I'm going to plug it again. You know who actually read that audible version of the book? Chester Terrington. <laughs> that makes so much sense because you would not believe the things I've done to Chester Terrington. Like, I, just... <laughs> really, I was. It was That's channeling. Therapy daddy. Yeah. Tell me about my. It's <laughs> <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> What part of you hears now? All the parts. <laughs> Therapy. Daddy. So fast. It went south quick. It really did. Po- your poor kids. <laughs> oh, they can't listen to this. They can't. You know, Ashley um, like is able to listen to about like three minute segments at a time, and then just has to hit the power and turn the whole. Why thing can't off. we listen to Not Your Mama's Therapy? You know how they get. <laughs> She says blanket policy. You know how they get. You're not ready for that. Oh, yeah. one day, kids. One They're, day, yeah. you'll be able to listen to me harass your dad. <laughs> All right. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. And we'll catch you next week as we delve into other therapy-related topics, which I'm very excited All right. For. All right. Talk to you then.